0: Then what often the insurance industry forgets about is the franchisor is not just a lead generation system to sell more insurance policies. You have to be solving problems for all the stakeholders involved, franchisors and franchisees. What are we doing for the franchisee? How are we making it easier and less friction for them to purchase the proper coverage to be able to protect their investment, a significant investment? Are we forgetting that these guys are spending anywhere from 50,000 to millions of dollars? to get into franchising and insurance is the thing that finances that risk. And so we do all these things to make it easy for them to protect their investment that also aligns with the FDD, give all that data back to the franchisors they have complete oversight of everything, but it's a done for you solution.
1: Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through
2: franchise ownership. Allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately, a business that can run on its own without you.
1: All right. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. Really excited about our guest, Wade Millard here today. How are you doing, Wade?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Excited to have you on. Quick introduction about Wade. So Wade and I met at, I think, a springboard or Maybe before that, actually, we talked through LinkedIn and connected and got on a call. Yeah. Right? I forget. Why did we originally get on a phone call? Do you remember?
0: Because we're in franchising. and franchising, people just want to connect and network. That's it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, you're the king. You're the king. That's got to be one of your superpowers. You got into the space (laughs) and partnered with some of the elite right away.
0: Oh, the king. I don't know about that, man. I quickly realized early on that franchising was so small, but it was so important to have the right relationships. So that was it. So I figured, hey, let's do it this way. And I realized quickly that that's invaluable. Oh.
1: Franchising, as far as everyone knowing what everyone's doing, he's gotten to the point that like, you know, when you think about doing something, you think about buying a new shirt, and then you get ads for it. And you're like, how the hell did they know I wanted to buy that type of shirt? Like I'm having that happen. I'm, I'm making moves right now where I have people calling me and I'm like, Do you guys have my office bugged? I didn't tell anyone. (laughs) How do you know that
2: already?
0: (laughs) Yeah, small community, man. It's wild. And there's the fact that the
2: office is bugged. Yeah, right. (laughs) Christian's got me bugged. (laughs) So
1: before we jump in, Wade, could you just give us like the backstory, your story, how you got into this business and a little bit about the company?
0: Yeah, happy to dive into it. So a little bit about me. I grew up in Southern California in Orange County. My grandfather started an insurance agency in 1947. My dad took it over in the seventies. So obviously I always wanted to be insurance growing up, right? Like that's just the thing you do. <laughs> I served a mission. So I lived in the Philippines for two years. That was kind of a cool experience. Came home and tried going to a semester of a junior college. Didn't even make it through that. I was like, college is just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I got plan A, I had no plan B, no, definitely no plan C. I was like, All right, I got to work for my dad. So I started in the insurance industry and really over time, began to become passionate about insurance and insurance technology and just solving problems. Fast forward a ton of years, this is around 2018. One of my existing customers, a franchisee from Sotheby's International Realty, approached me asking me to solve some problems. And it had to deal with insurance, certificates of insurance and leveraging their buying power. They were a large franchisee, the number two in the entire country with 600 brokers. I got to work, created something that I thought was pretty interesting, got in front of her. She was ecstatic about it. In fact, she was so excited about it that she helped me iterate the pitch deck. She got me in front of the president of the franchise. Mind you, she called me out of the blue on Halloween Day 2018 when I was wearing an inflatable unicorn costume. So this is kind of pre-webcam you know, webcam stuff for some reason. It wasn't like I didn't have one yet. She calls me up, she goes, Wade, we're hopping on a call with the president in six minutes. You're ready. And I was like, uh, yes, Heidi, I will do that, thank you. <laughs> Hopped on a call, didn't know what I was doing, went through the presentation, talk, 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 didn't ask any questions, right? It was just a hot mess, terrible at the end of that conversation, I was pretty jazzed about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, did I just pitch a president of 900 locations on Halloween day wearing an inflatable unicorn costume? 100%. And the guy was like, hey, yeah, this is really interesting. Thank you so much. And I didn't know what to do at that time. So I was like, oh, thanks. Hang up the phone. Okay, what do I do next? Like, I had nothing. It was just a concept. And I'm like, there's got to be something here. So I start doing some market research. And lo and behold, my brother here in Utah, knows this guy by the name of Scott Abbott. I didn't know who Scott Abbott was, guys. So they do an email or a text introduction. <laughs> I get in front of Scott Abbott.
1: For anyone listening, Scott Abbott is probably the most successful home service, entrepreneur, franchise, or
2: one of the most successful, right? Yeah. Just for context. And one of the most fun is Blake Cabin up in Canada is just unbelievable. I went there back in August. It was super cool.
0: He's the best, dude. He's the absolute best. So I don't know who Scott Abbott was. Not only successful, fun, but also well-known. And he has a good reputation. So it's like, the guy stacked. Let's not talk about Scott anymore. I don't want him to hear this. And just like, you know, he gets all... (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) I get introduced to Scott Abbott. Scott is uh, very successful for himself. He doesn't talk about it very often, to be honest. He's he's pretty humble about that. But uh, I'll never forget it. He's like, yeah, we got to go to this pizza place in Spanish Fork. And I can't remember what it's called some hole-in-the-wall pizza place, and he loves these noodles that he gets there because he's celiac. So he gets these noodles and we're eating and I'm just asking a bunch of questions, right? An age-old saying of ask for feedback and you get money and ask for money, you get feedback is really quite true. I'm going through my presentation just asking a lot of questions and I'll never forget, he just stops me right in the middle of a sentence. And he asked me, how much is this going to cost? And at the time, I had not thought about it. I had no idea. And being a first-time founder and never really understanding how much technology is going to cost, I was just like, I don't know, Scott, Like, I don't have a number in my mind. He's like, wait, how much is this going to cost to build? And so I come up with a number and anybody that has built technology, please laugh. I said 50,000 bucks. And uh, so so looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have asked for a lot more. (laughs) So we keep talking and I'm like, well, why? if anybody's heard him talk about this kind of stuff, he has talked about it before at conferences. And he's like, look, I'm a franchisor. I'm growing five-star painting. I have 150 franchisees. And we're trying to manage insurance compliance for every single franchisee. We're using paper. We're updating spreadsheets. We're putting in all the information. And what happened, Wade, was one of the franchisees didn't have the right coverage. It ended up canceling. I had no idea. Nobody never notified me, didn't get anything in the mail, didn't receive an email, nothing. Franchisees, a subcontractor or employee goes up on a ladder, falls off and becomes a paraplegic. Franchisee doesn't have the right coverage to pay for the medical expenses. So the franchisee gets sued. He goes, BK. That person and that family comes after the franchisor. He goes, I'm on the hook now because I'm the franchisor. I'm the one with the deep pockets, right? So he gets on the hook. I guess I won't say the numbers, but he was in litigation for years and ended up having to settle for quite a bit of money. So he's like, what you want to build, every single franchisor has this problem. I I know it. I experienced it. So I met the one dude, very successful, very well-known, great guy. And he also had the exact problem that I'm solving for. So that's how I started in franchising.
2: Unbelievable. So like most of us, you weren't thinking, hey, let me get into franchising, but you kind of fell into it or stumbled upon it. Yeah. But wait, there's more, right? Because the story doesn't end there.
0: The story doesn't end, of course not. You go and you get another partner, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the story continues. So this is in 2018, mind you. And actually, there's a little bit of a delay about a year and a half goes by where I don't push harder on the franchising concept. Even though it's there, I know it can be something. I actually doubled down my family's insurance agency and I try to continue to work things out. But I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, I think. And I was just kept butting heads and I had to build something. And when you're an entrepreneur, you have these ideas like you are no longer, I call it like, you're no longer in control anymore. You are compelled to go and to do something. You're pulled away and you're like, I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to go insane or just be miserable the rest of my life. So finally, March of 2020. Yes, March of 2020. I am a COVID baby. I incorporated Rycor. That's when I started the company officially. And we quickly realized that the way into this industry is through relationships. So we leveraged Scott's relationships. We got in front of quite a bit of franchisors. We did a bunch of market research initially. And what I tell people is that what would have taken me months if ever, months, nine, 10, I don't care how many months, Scott, a single text message, a single phone call or a single email. That's it. And these people, oh yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to wait for sure. No problem, right? So he would open the doors. I'd have these conversations. Market research was done within like six weeks or something like that. I'm like, oh, I got some really good information here. I, I think I know how to build this thing. So we start building. I'll fast forward through all the trials and issues, building technology, complete nightmare. <laughs> We have our first beta customer, August of 21, home service brand. So thankful for him and their patience. And they're still with us today, which is incredible. Anybody that's built technology again knows. Anybody that's built a business knows in the very beginning how challenging it is and how many issues and problems you have to solve for. Springboard of 2021, me and my partner do a pre-game marketing campaign is what we called it. We identified a list of people that were going to Springboard of 21. About 100 people, we created a one minute professionally made video and we blasted it out there. So I started tracking the data. I think we had six people watch it. Six people out of 100. I'm like, oh, 6%. Sweet. <laughs> I think the open rate was like 20%, but a 6% watch rate. And one of those people was Ryan Zink. So I didn't know, again, this is me being naive. I didn't know who Ryan Zink was either at the time. So I do my due diligence. I'm hustling, calling, following up, all that kind of stuff. I show up to Springboard 21, fresh as a baby and trying to meet people and talk and just completely green. I have no idea who's who and what's what and I don't know what left or right is. And Ryan Zink is interested in chatting. Again, I don't know who Ryan Zink is. I look into a franchise fast. I'm like, Oh, this could be a really cool kind of partnership. Maybe like maybe there's something here, guys. And Ryan Zink, we finally meet the last day of springboard 30 minutes before the Uber guy arrives. We sit down. And we just start talking. I'm just I'm getting real amped, right? Really, really hyped up. I start talking, telling this idea of what we're doing, how we're building a go-to-market strategy. And he's just listening. Coolest guy, right? And I thought maybe this is like a kind of a referral partnership. And at the time, Ben Fox was sitting next to me from ProNexus for Five Star. And after I talk with Ryan Zink, I lean over to Ben. I'm like, Ben, if I can get that guy, I think we're going to do something pretty exciting here. So we keep talking and sure enough, Ryan didn't want to be a referral partner. He wanted to be an investor in the company. And I attribute that. People ask me, how'd you get Ryan Zink? I'm like, I don't think I got Ryan Zink. Ryan Zink already had the idea to do insurance in franchising. It was perfect timing. But again, if I didn't take the action, he would have never known. I would have never met him and this would have never happened. So then I get hooked up with Ryan Zink. Ryan Zink ends up investing... And he starts opening up doors like you could not believe, which was absolutely incredible. So yeah, it's going. It's moving pretty fast now. Lots of exciting stuff.
1: That's awesome. I think to what you said about you didn't get Ryan Zink, the business was a great product that brought him in. I was at the Emerging Franchise Award Conference this past week in Nashville. Michael O'Browning Jr. Unleashed Brands was speaking. and he gets you pumped up. But anyway, he was talking about businesses are not sold, they're bought. Meaning like, you're not going to build a business and then like fast talk your way into selling it to PE, right? It's a great business. Buyers are coming to buy it. You're not selling it. Great business for bought. And he was talking about if you're focusing on building a great product and then the buyers will come automatically. So for you, you've built a great solution and the investors have come naturally to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so true. It's often people are seeking problems to a solution they created. When in reality, it should be hey, where's the problem? Now let's create the solution for the specific problem. And that's what we're doing. There's clearly a need in franchising for what we're building. We're still early on, but it's to be honest, guys, like I haven't gotten a no yet from a franchisor. We've made the product so compelling, so good that they can't say no to it because we're just solving their problems. I mean, that's it.
1: I was just thinking about this today. The business I'm starting, as soon as I, made the commitment to do it and it was totally outside of my comfort zone doors started opening up and signs started coming to me that it was the right decision and perfect example is the business I've been researching to do looking at all of the market and the growth and from a you know exiting in the future standpoint it turns out that in my house I currently need this now like I couldn't believe it like the thing that I wanted to get into business doing, I turn out having this problem in my house, can't figure it out for weeks. And one day I realized that it's literally the problem I'm having is the business that I wanted to go into. Yeah. And so right now I'm actually going through the process of this service and like learning what's wrong with it and how to fix it. But what is the saying? You have a business that people, not only do they have a pain, but they're actively trying to solve it too. Yeah, They know they have the pain, they don't know how to solve it. You've got that solution.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting when it's that close to you, and you're experiencing it, you realize all of a sudden that you want to solve for it. All of a sudden, your mind opens up to all the infinite possibilities of how to do this, how to build the right processes, how to establish the system, like what specifically you're going to do, how many touch points. Like That's what's so fun about this. When you're hyper-focused on specific pain points, you can create solutions. When you're nothing to everybody, it's like you're just shotgunning and you have no idea what you're doing and you have no idea who you're solving for.
2: Yeah, I love it, man. And I do think, just to touch on what Dan said, I think that when you do Go all in on something. There is a certain energy that's projected out there. And whether it's God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, I do think that the universe will conspire to help you when you kind of go all in on something versus, you know, no half measures, right? If you go all in, if you tap into the Google search of your mind, you're going to find answers, you're going to find relationships, and it's going to spit out an answer. So I think it sounds like that's what happened here. Something I'm interested in is. Is this just a total blue ocean within franchising? I mean, is there anyone
0: else that does this? Oh my gosh. Okay. So the insurance industry, there's actually 40,000 insurance agencies in the country. There's tons. So people ask me, well, who's your competition? I go, I believe my competition are existing agencies or brokers, right? Because we do two things. We do insurance compliance, but we also act as an insurance agency. And so yes, insurance brokers are in there large brokers, the top 10 largest brokers in the country and world are doing a lot of franchise insurance, but nobody is doing what we're doing. So the competition, the people that we have to dethrone are brokers, but are they providing the level of service that we are? Are they providing the type of product that we are? Are they leveraging technology the way we are? Are they putting all these different components together? And the answer is absolutely not. And so the question becomes, well, why hasn't anybody else done that before? right? That's the big question. It's like, ah, come on. So
1: well, you don't know about Clapscore.
0: The what is it? <laughs> I didn't tell you about Klapscore? No, I haven't heard Clapscore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just built the company. Is that what he did?
1: <laughs> Nick Lopez with Lime Painting. He's a really good friend of mine and he's been giving me all kinds of pointers for months. And I was with him recently and I was like, yeah, like I'm really excited about starting my new business, my painting business.
0: <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, what? And I'm like, Yeah. High end residential home painting business. (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean? It's lemon painting. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. We could just do that. We can go around and identify the best brands and just like, yeah, lemon painting. I don't know. There's a bunch of them out there. Sisters that just do gutters. (laughs) Yes. Sisters that just do gutters. (laughs) Yep. So, anyways, yeah, I think it's an amazing opportunity right now for us to get in there. We're doing things that are so different that it's all about removing the friction though for both franchisors and franchisees. Often too, in my space specifically, people are so, the insurance industry is so fixated on selling insurance policies and renewing insurance policies. And we're looking at it completely different. How do we consult franchisors? How do we implement proper coverages in the very beginning with the FDD? How do we speak their language? Like, Are we reviewing the item seven, the item 19? Are we reviewing the insurance language in there so they can modify the insurance requirements? at a whim without having to revise the FDD, you know, each year. So we're doing all those things from a consultation standpoint. And then what often the insurance industry forgets about is the franchisor is not just a lead generation system to sell more insurance policies. You have to be solving problems for all the stakeholders involved, franchisors and franchisees. What are we doing for the franchisee? How are we making it easier and less friction for them to purchase the proper coverage to be able to protect their investment, a significant investment? Are we forgetting that these guys are spending anywhere from 50000 to millions of dollars to get into franchising? And insurance is the thing that finances that risk. And so we do all these things to make it easy for them to protect their investment that also aligns with the FDD, give all that data back to the franchisors so they have complete oversight of everything. But it's a done-for-you solution. If you're enjoying
2: this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. It's funny because I think it was last Wednesday, I was out with a guy that I've known for a while, but catching up with him. And he's started a business in the commercial insurance space. And we were talking about the same thing where it's definitely different from what you were doing by leaps and bounds, but... It's not collapse court. It may have been, but (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) But we were talking about, I mean, it is an industry that is incredibly old school. I don't think that most of them really leverage technology... (laughs) like what you guys are doing, you are solving a real issue, which I think is fantastic. And you're right. A lot of it is just focused on selling. Because a lot of the time with a lot of insurance agencies, a lot of it is where it's the broker is the person doing the selling and the client servicing. And it's very, very difficult to do both. Yes. And they're thinking, okay, well, does client servicing really pay me money? Not necessarily. I mean, Long-term, it does, obviously, but you do need to get out there, sell policies, focus on renewals. And so a lot of the client servicing really gets left by the wayside because they're in business development mode 100% of the time. And so when you're focusing on solving a problem and providing service and value, especially at the or level, but also at the franchisee level, I mean, that's critical because if I'm going to buy a franchise, why am I buying a franchise versus doing it on my own? Well, it's yes. because they have so much of this stuff dialed in. Yes. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, do I have the right coverage? Is it the right amount? Where do I go? What vendor should I use? Who can I trust? How much should I expect to invest and put aside for that? These are all things that are really critically important that if I am going to invest money, pay a franchise fee, pay a royalty, pay renewal fees, etc. I want to make sure that this yeah. stuff is taken care of. Yeah. Let's pick it up, I guess, with Rycor, What does that mean? What was the inspiration for the name? I mean, it's awesome. But what does it mean? <laughs>
0: I'm so glad you asked that question. So, I'll back it up a little bit and kind of tell you maybe my thought process behind it, like kind of the origin story. So, working in the insurance industry and at my dad's company for quite some time 14 years, something else that I did actually that I didn't talk about yet was I was also product owner and project manager of our own homegrown agency management system, which you could consider like a CRM specifically for the insurance industry. It was just part of my day-to-day. So I didn't realize that I was also developing software for about 10 years of my career. So it gives me a very unique perspective on the industry. But what I tell people is it gave me the habit of asking the question, why a lot? Why this? Why not that? Why can't it be this way? Why can't it be that way? Right. I'm constantly asked everything that's that's kind of annoying now because everything I see, I'm like, why don't we just do it this way? Like, you know, like I just I have no shame. <laughs> so I loved creating and innovating and trying to do things that improve the customer experience. I'm a huge, huge on improving the customer experience for the end customer, which we call the insured, a person purchasing insurance. I love to innovate. And I knew going into the industry and building my own company, I didn't want to just be an insurance compliance company. I didn't want to be pigeonholed into that. So I didn't want to name the company after anything like that. I knew that there was much more to what we're building. And so I got a bunch of opinions from a lot of people. And this is a long story because honestly, naming the company came way after building the solution, which is so strange. And it took months to figure out the name. And we went around from like Instafy and, you know, at a glance, Verglance or whatever, you name it, a bunch of stuff like that. I'm like, no, it doesn't feel right. And I landed on Rike I actually just made up the word. If you Google it, you'll find some company in Russia and that's about it but I posh-poshed it. I put a bunch of stuff together that I love. The R stands for relentless and the I stands for innovation. Relentless innovation is first and foremost. The core stands for core technology. So if you want to put it all together, it's a mouthful, but relentlessly innovating core technology within the insurance ecosystem. So that's kind of the origin.
2: I like that. That's really cool, man. You couldn't get anything like that out of me. No doubt. When I named Core. I took your <laughs> business... <laughs> And I put my last name in front
0: of it. <laughs> that was good. That was good. It was stands uh, for
1: Claps Core.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my last name, and then somebody else's company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Dan, well played, sir. Well played. So, so anyway, yeah. There's a lot of exciting things to do, man, with an insurance.
2: Absolutely, man. So, what kind of advice would you give to franchisors, franchisees? regarding some of the most common errors or mistakes or pitfalls that they can fall into regarding insurance?
0: Yeah, maybe I'll try to identify different buyer personas really quickly. We learned really fast the different types of buyer personas and when there's inflection points, when they start experiencing the pain, it all has to come down to number of units. So zero to about 25 or 30 units, they're almost unaware of the problem unless they were a prior franchisor. 30 to about 75 units, they become aware of the problem, but they're not solving for it yet. 75 to about, uh, let's say 120 units, they're trying to solve it themselves through manual paper-based processes. And about 125 plus, they're solving for it, either in-house or outsourcing it. So the problem though is consistent across the board for every single brand. Some of the things that we identify, let's just talk about the FTD for a moment, because that's a huge point of franchising. I kind of threw out a few things. First, setting very clear expectations for franchisees. We all know when you get a frustrated franchisee, it's just not good for anybody. The item seven is very interesting. Initial upfront expenses for a franchisee. And if you'll notice in there, often insurance is a line item in there, and it should be. We're in the home service space. Home service insurance costs a whole heck of a lot more than a lot of other industries. And so if that expectation isn't set very, very clear upfront, well, then it's completely thrown out of whack. And so when we go to propose the proper coverage, guess what? They're going to push back to us. And they're also going to go and call you, the franchisor, and waste a lot of your time. And so it's very, very important that you set clear expectations and make sure that the estimated is a nice, big, fat range that they can't argue with. And you know what happens? They're happy and they're very content and they're okay with it. That's okay. We do the same thing with the item 19. If they have like some type of annual financial statement in there, we help them make sure it's in line. We do some estimated quotes first. The other big thing I kind of threw that out there earlier was just making sure that the proper language is in there. So what I mean by that is that a lot of the older FDDs I've realized or noticed, they have language in there that's very static. It doesn't allow them any flexibility, which is very problematic. Insurance is always evolving risk and exposure is always evolving. And so franchisors need the flexibility to require additional or new insurance requirements from existing franchisees that have been grandfathered into a five or 10-year contract. you got to do that. If you have to have language to modify or manipulate the operations manual, awesome. If you just put in some blanket statement saying, hey, we can modify the insurance requirements whenever we please, and you guys got to follow it. Have your attorney fix it. And then the insurance requirements. Oh my gosh, guys. I haven't seen a good one yet. And this is nothing against the attorneys and the franchisors putting this stuff together. They are doing the absolute best they can. Honestly, I blame the insurance brokers that are getting involved early on with the franchisors. They are not taking the time to review the FTD guys. They're just taking the franchisors' word for it because they want to sell a policy. And you know what happens when you sell policies? You're just selling. You're not doing the consultation. You're doing it wrong every single time. So we go in there and do a consultation, which is... Kind of a high friction point, right? Because we're telling them, Hey, we got to revise everything in here. So first we understand the operations of the business, make sure that we really get a clear idea of what's happening. And then we get the FDD, we do an analysis, 13 point checklist, review the insurance requirements. And then we go through every single line item and then we offer a bunch of suggestions up. And so that's where we found a ton of value. The franchisors love this process. What happens then is they typically accept it. We often get involved with their legal counsel, which I We'll happily do. I think that's a great next step, and then we all come to alignment. Next is making sure that that culture is established within the franchise. It's much much easier, guys, to steer a ship in the right direction when you're smaller and more nimble than when you're 100 units in. Trying to establish this later on is very difficult. The inertia that exists within a franchise with 100 plus units, you got to change the culture. So, lots of things that we're seeing as we dive deeper and deeper into franchising.
2: Absolutely. Do it right the first time.
0: Do it right the first time. 100%. And so that's where we can help out. We do enjoy working with emerging brands. We are becoming more and more selective just because of the amount of demand that's happening with number of franchises asking for us to do all their stuff. But happy to help emerging brands and just really get them on the right track. You know, like this is such a critical component. Also something I want to throw out there too. Dan mentioned this kind of briefly earlier. It was just like exit strategy. Having the end in mind. Well, guess what, guys? Private equity looks at compliance. And insurance is part of compliance. And if your insurance isn't up to snuff, and you're not doing everything you can to possibly to mitigate risk, and to create some type of firewall between franchisee and franchisor, you're going to get less valuation for your company. So this is actually plays into your exit strategy. It's really interesting.
2: Makes a ton of sense, risk mitigation and protecting the investment. That's what private equity cares about, obviously, and for good reason. I would too.
0: Yep, absolutely.
2: So I guess I have two questions. Question one
1: Who's your ideal franchisor? You know, someone's listening, we've got a lot of franchise founders listening on this. You know, what would be your perfect client? I guess let's start there and then I'll go to my second question.
0: Yeah, I think our ideal customer is evolving over time. We started with the, uh, you know, brands that have about 20 locations, 30 locations that was working out quite well. We then got into some partnerships and affiliates with high growth emerging brands, which I actually probably is a really good fit for us. So target audience is an emerging brand with about 10 to 20 locations that's partnered up with some type of franchise sales or development organization that can help them grow rapidly. They have a ton of problems that they need to solving. We help scale them safely. We're now getting into larger brands and platforms. So now we're getting into platforms, which is really a fascinating space for us because we can attack it from the very, very top point and then push it down to all the franchises. And these guys have the exact same problem. We'll name names, but we're really excited about some future relationships that we've recently established with some good-sized platforms. And we're excited about the interesting opportunities there with existing franchisees and how do we solve these problems? How do we align our mutual goals, which is insurance compliance, and franchisors want to generate rebates, right, want to generate additional revenue stream. Well, we have the ability to help them do that through insurance, which is really, really interesting and very unique. We're also leveraging a lot of technology that will help us offer franchisees the exact coverage they need in real time that meet all FDD requirements, and they're able to accept online. So we're going down that path and we're able to collect real-time data through franchise or specific systems. We have a lot of integrations going on, which we're really excited about. I'm like going off in a tangent though, Dan. I answered your question and then I stopped and I'm not talking about other stuff now. I'll stop there. Go.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Because you kind of went into what I was going to ask next, which is where do you see the company? Like, Where do you want to take it in three, five years?
0: Ah, uh, I love it. I love it. We want to be the future of franchising insurance. Like RICOR, I see it becoming the standard. Like, oh, you're not using Rycor yet? I want somebody to say that eventually. Just sign up with RICOR. Like, they'll just take care of you. Right? The idea there is, I want to show up where they do business at. What does that mean? Too many technology providers want everybody to go to their platform. Well, I'd love to live behind the scenes, to be honest. I want it done for them. I want it functioning the way they want it to function. I want the reports delivered to them. Nice little tiny present packaged in the mail you know, with a little bow on it, done for them, right? You know, super, super simple. I want to be in every single franchise management system. I want to be in every field operating system. I want to be in every franchising-specific CRM. I want franchisors to be able to activate our solution within a franchise management system. I want our KPIs to be on their dashboard inside of their system so they don't have to go anywhere. I want a franchisee to be able to purchase the proper coverage within their CRM. They don't have to go anywhere. Exactly what they need without entering any type of data. So this is where we're headed. We're really excited about it.
1: Where do investors send checks? (laughs) (laughs) In case Clockwork doesn't work out.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's exciting, man. Yeah, we've got some good stuff coming up and we've got some really, really exciting opportunities coming up. Yeah, I think they'll see us around.
2: Love it, man. So any final parting words of wisdom, advice for franchisors, franchisees, anything you want to leave us with at all for the audience?
0: If you have any concerns or questions, I'm not going to sell you. I won't pitch you. Happy to do a consultation though and talk with you about your brand. I'd love to, I love getting to know people. I'm genuinely curious about other people. I'd love to get to know them. You know what's so cool about franchising too is everybody's an entrepreneur in franchising, the franchisors and the franchisees. And that's like one of my favorite parts because everybody's got a story. What motivated them to get into franchising initially, which is so fun to hear about. So even if you want to connect, happy to connect.
2: Perfect. Where can they find you?
0: Email W-A-D-E, Wade at Rikor, R-I-K-O-R dot I-O.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. This is super, super valuable. I know for franchisors, good for franchisees to know as well, but love what you're doing. Awesome, awesome job. And like Dan said, if Clapscore doesn't work out, We'd like to know where to send some investment checks. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Take care, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Share, subscribe, leave an honest review, and we'll see you on the next one.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the
2: Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefoundersgmail.com. At